The News on CJOB with Richard Kluchek and Julie Buckingham. (laughs) You got a case to the Mondays. Yeah, big time. Actually, you know, it's funny. (laughs) Work went great. And then the ride home, uh, the chain slipped off my bike as I was standing and pedaling to get some more power. And it's, you know, it's a road bike. It's built for speed. And uh, the chain came off and got wedged between the frame and the rear sprocket. And it just launched me forward. And you didn't fall off your bike. You flew off your bike. Yes. And yeah. you're wearing a shirt covered in bicycles. Yeah, that would be kind How of ironic. ironic. Yeah. <laughs> you were wearing your helmet, though. I was, yeah. And you know what? Um, I, I definitely felt a little ding there when I fell off. So it was definitely worth uh, wearing, that's for sure. And the hair need... gives extra cushion. Yeah, well, hang yes. on. Do we need oh, yeah. to put you in concussion uh, protocol at all? I don't think so. Like, it wasn't that my head hit initially. I slid for a while, and then it went back. So you got road rash first. I got road rash on my shoulder. I banged my right knee really bad, and it's also pretty bloody. Left knee's got some some bleeding going on, both elbows and both hands. So, so there's seven spots. Guys. There's yeah. some human DNA seven on whole the spots. streets and, and, of Winnipeg. And did we provide you with fairly good first aid? <laughs> I would like to say it was definitely adequate. All right. Absolutely. Did you guys know where the first aid kit is? Yes. Okay. Uh, Tristan Field-Jones, who I think is chair of the safety board here, uh, he has uh, he has always told us where the, the okay. safety. But was there any specific 680 CJOB employee that helped you out, Dan? Oh, that'd be Will. Will. He's Big such Will. a good guy. Will. Will Reimer. He always lets us in. And you know what? He yeah. offered. He said, would you like some coffee or tea? I said, no, I'm good. Thank you. Then he said, how about some ice or something? And I said, Yes, please. Oh, my right. God. Now, did you leave any blood on our furniture out there in the I didn't. Room? I was mindful. We very of, careful yeah. about yeah. that. We did. And actually, I'm in, like, the drying phase. I mean, this happened about an hour ago. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. And I washed so the wounds. It's the Monday panel on 680 CJOB with Dan, you, and my Preddy, and Amy Coldwell. I, I would like to point out this really all started last week then. Was it last week that the Honda oh, you had let what, you though? down? The Honda let me down, but I'd been biking to work uh, regardless because I work downtown and I live downtown and parking is expensive in my building. So this was like my my way of going green. Well, <laughs> hang well. on. Speaking of going green. <laughs> gone red. You are failing us, but the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. That's 16-year-old Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg at the UN Climate Summit today. You wouldn't want to face her wrath, so keep riding the bike. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe get the chain fixed. I'm just wondering (laughs) if a 16-year-old feels so passionately about the environment and climate change. How do the three of you feel about a generation betraying another generation because you're you know you're all in your your 20s early 30s um there are many people that are listening right now that are your parents age and climate change is an issue in the federal election Mm -hmm. i don't know how much of an issue it is but is it an issue for you in the sense that there's some betraying going on between generations here I don't know about betrayal. I think we're all guilty. Um, but I was just saying... So you're part of the problem, not the solution generation. Absolutely. I mean, we're trying, but I think that... I think everybody who's alive at this moment has probably at some point been the problem. Well, Greta um, probably flew from 
Right. Sweden mm-hmm. exactly. to New York. Now, maybe she offset her carbon footprint. She's definitely using a cell phone with cobalt in it. That's not an easy element to get. People there's, die mining that there's stuff. There's problems Seriously. everywhere. Um, but I was actually just saying earlier to Amy that uh, Winnipeg is actually very behind when it comes to keeping our planet green. And I love Winnipeg. So for me to say something bad about them means something. What do you mean by betraying in generations? Well, she basically means that you have set us up for failure and that if you keep on polluting and not taking action, using, you know, your vehicles and polluting the the world and and increasing your carbon footprint, it's a betrayal. But in saying that, it's the newer generation that is betraying because look at all the stuff that we keep inventing. Back in the day, they didn't have cars. Right. 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 I see what you're saying. Depends on how you look at it. I go ahead. Well, World War Two ended and you know <laughs> war bonds were flowing in, life was good, right? Everyone just bought whatever they needed and, and went along with it. And no one I think thought about the fallout from it. I think everyone was, you know, sort of cooking along, thinking, Woo, this is the new regime. And uh not only did that sort of go away, like the prosperity of the middle class and all that stuff. Um, but so did like, uh, or actually, sorry, that went away, but then also people didn't realize that, uh, the fallout from all of that manufacturing and all that kind of stuff had some serious effects and it's not like it's gone. I just went to different countries now, um, and with different people doing it, but I, I definitely recognize the fact that I, I have a lot of qualms, I think more about the economy and if we're talking about betrayal, mm-hmm. but um, when you look at the, the planet and stuff, this is a very real thought I have, and I'm not exaggerating. I think about having children sometimes, and then I think, yeah, well, they're probably not going to last. <laughs> like, my, seriously, I'm totally serious. My niece, mm-hmm. my niece, who's 10 years old, is a part of the green program at her school, and she's a huge environmentalist, which makes me really happy. Um, but she's on, she's on my mom's butt all the time to recycle and put that away. Nope, we can reuse this. So there are popsicle sticks (laughs) everywhere in the house and she always finds a way to reuse or recycle. I think the most important thing is education. If we're not being educated and we're not aware, we're not going to make a change. So people need to, need to understand that this is happening all, all around us As, as soon as we're aware then I feel like the the change will come. But at the same time, I do agree with Maya on we're inventing new things that are not so great for the environment all I the time. Want, I want to pick up on Dan's point because he's, he said, seriously, he, he wouldn't want to bring kids into a world that they may not survive. And I did see um, a news release uh, or, a, or an email from a young woman. I believe she's 16 years old who said she is signing a pact to not have children until we deal with the climate crisis. And I thought, wow, that's, I mean, it's one thing for you to say it, Dan, um, not that you're an older guy, but compared to a 16-year-old girl, you know, you are at the age where you might consider getting married and having kids and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas a 16-year-old is consciously saying, no, That's I'm huge. committing to not having children until we get our climate house in order, which I thought was was pretty big. And That's it, making and a, a statement of how bad it is. Yeah. 
One thing we have to keep in mind, though, this is where I think the crux of the difficulty of all of it comes from, is that as a developed nation with that conscience, we can make those decisions. A lot of countries are still polluting like crazy. Mm -hmm. And you can't walk in there and go, hey, it's us, the wealthy G7. You know, like you have to stop using factories now. And they're like, we just got a TV, you know, like stuff like that. You can't go there and put the kibosh on poor people's lives unless you give them an alternative. And like, what are we going to give them? Frankly, I don't think anything at this point in time. So it's tough to call. I mean, then you can start holding money back unless they agree to these things. And then that just turns into a mess. So Maya, when you say you don't like to be critical of Winnipeg when it comes to waste, what do you yeah. see? What do you see? So, for instance, the restaurant industry alone, it is there's no recycling bins anywhere because apparently this is what I was told. I don't know how true it is. I haven't looked into it. It costs more for a restaurant to get a big recycling bin um, than, say, a residential place. Uh, so they just won't do it, and everything goes in the garbage. Take out containers or, or styrofoam or black plastic that can't be recycled. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. single-use plastic forks and knives. In Europe, you will see bamboo everywhere mm-hmm. that you can use bamboo well, forks. even in B.C., you know, there was a ban on straws a long time ago. We are behind the times, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to uh, curbside composting. Uh, there are private services that do it. Some restaurants do it. Others do not. And I, I think you're going to see probably in the next five years the movement. You know, it's it's happening with plastic bags. You're going to see the ban on plastic bags with some exceptions in Manitoba in the months to come. And it's coming. Let's get a green bin. It's coming. But I, for one, welcome our green overlords. As I like to say, Winnipeg is being dragged kicking and screaming into the 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is a little bit. When uh, when my sister and I were in Australia, we were extremely impressed at their green initiative. There were no plastic bags, no plastic forks. Everything was wood. Um, not the plastic bags, but you had to bring your 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 own bag or they sold bags. So it was, um, we need to get on board with that. And see, in England, if you go to a grocery store, it's not plastic bags. And they actually give them to you because you're advertising for them. So you don't have to pay for these bags that aren't plastic. Have a safe week. Well, yeah. I'll try. We're yeah. looking at you, Dan Hewen. <laughs> Draft dodgeball champ. Woo. Congratulations on that, by the way. <laughs> The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.